Jimmy Alexander, and welcome to another edition of Out With Jimmy, the podcast where members of the LGBTQ community share their coming out stories with you. Now, if you'd like to share your story, please go to outwithjimmy.com. Follow us on social media, Out With Jimmy. And again, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes of Out With Jimmy. This week, Bianca is Out With Jimmy. Hi, uh, my name is Bianca Ray. I live in Springfield, Virginia. I am a um, diversity specialist at a nonprofit healthcare organization in um, the Mid-Atlantic region. And I am a Filipino-American immigrant trans woman, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Bianca, who's the first person that you looked at and you said, I'm a woman? You know, very interestingly enough for me, um, I did not have a, a coming out story until I was in my late 20s, um, okay. early 30s. Okay. Um, so a little bit of background. I thought you were like 25. So go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> Credits to my parents for really good genes. Um, but uh, just a little bit of background. So um, I'm from the Philippines, born and raised in the Philippines. Okay. And my parents, my mom, myself, and my younger brother migrated to the U.S. in 1999. But prior to coming into the U.S., I already know that I'm, I'm different. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, you know, I'm very flamboyant. You know, I'm always attracted to anything feminine, you know, whether it could be, you know, my mom's shoes, dresses. What was the earliest purses. age that you remember that? Very early. I would say from what I remember, probably between six and seven is when I really kind of look at myself as very feminine, you know, and, and it started with... Uh, just hanging out with, you know, girls my age. And I just feel this um, sense of energy that I have so many uh, commonalities with girls mm-hmm. versus with boys. You know, I'm really not into like, you know, the rough sports, um, being outside and getting dirty and everything. <laughs> so um, so yes. I immediately just kind of at a really young age um, was very aware to that's That's not my thing. You know, I'm more about just staying in, you know, just kind of like creating toys that are really very feminine. And I think part of that is because when we lived in the Philippines, my mom worked at a salon who owns by her oldest brother who is gay. Mm -hmm. Um, And we lived literally next to the salon. So every day after school, I would drop my school bag at home and then I would just walk to the next door and hang out there for the rest of the day uh, at the salon where, you know, every like doing business hours, you know, I would just like do whatever it is that I, I remember one time, uh, one of really great memories that I have um, being in that salon was, you know, like using the towel that they use when you, you know, mm-hmm. they shampoo the hair and putting it in my hair as if it was like a, a hair, yes, really long hair. And, you know, my uncle's salon has like an aisle, you know, in between each of the chair. And I would just like walk around like it's my fashion show. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the staff there, the customers were like loving it um, and enjoying it. So it gives me more of like, Energy to just kind of keep going back and forth and stuff like that. So How that was, was your mom when you would do stuff like this? She was great. You okay. know, I, I was um, very fortunate and I'm still 
fortunate and very grateful for the support of um, all of my families on um, really living my authentic self, you know, like me being gay at the time. Um, and then when I transitioned um, to being a trans woman, you know, many, many years later, and I can talk a little bit about that as well, because as I've said, you know, my coming out story really happened when I fully transitioned mm-hmm. to be, a, a, you know, as a transgender woman. Yeah, so, it, you know, so throughout my journey, um, identified as a gay individual, um, I've had the support of, of my family. And I think part of that is because, you know, we have so many gay, mm-hmm. um, you know, relatives um, in our family, and it just became a norm. And <clears throat> it's funny that you've had such a positive experience yeah. with your family. And funny in that it shows you as, as I see you, happy person, who wants to give back and help in the community. And I know that you are very involved with Capital Pride and, yeah. and, and the trans arm of that, which is Trans Pride, mm-hmm. right? And you're, what is your official title with it? So I'm the chair of yes. Capital Trans Pride, which is, yeah, uh, an arm of yes. Capital Pride Alliance. And you guys do, as I like to say, God's work. Um, I was at the march a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's amazing, right? And so moving. Yeah. And it's funny you know, I think straight people look at the umbrella, uh, the LGBTQ, but don't realize that every person in the under that umbrella realizes or knows what the other group went through mm-hmm. and deals with on uh, everyday basis. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when you you find out how many trans uh, women have been murdered over the mm-hmm. last year, yeah. you're disturbed and like, I can't believe this is happening and we don't hear more about it. Yeah. And with you um, doing all that you do, so first of all, A, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And B, do you mind just sharing what you do and what uh, Capital Pride and and the Trans Pride does for the community? Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, so Capital Trans Pride is uh, an umbrella of, uh, it's an initiative that is led by Capital Pride Alliance, which is the organization that does DC Pride and Parade um, Pride and um, Festival mm-hmm. here um, in the DMV area. What Capital Trans Pride do, or what Capital Trans Pride focuses, is um, resources and information available for our community, our transgender and gender nonconforming community within the DMV area. So we host it in Washington, D.C., but it, uh, it covers outside of Washington, D.C. as well. You know, we have folks coming in from Northern Virginia. You know, we've partnered with local organizations all the way from Richmond, Virginia, who comes to um, Capital Transpired, and as well as, you know, our community partners and folks from the Maryland side of the region as well. And we've had a couple of uh, times um, uh, folks from out of town as well. So we're getting really a lot of visibility. And our goal, one of our goal is to really create a space for our transgender and gender nonconforming community to be themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have a lot of of opportunity to create that um, public accommodation to our community where they can be who themselves outside of Capital Transpride. And we just want Capital Transpride to be one of them. You know, so creating a, a, a affirming and um, safe space for our community is one of our goal. Um, uh, another one of our goal is providing resources for our community. And when I say resources, it's not just 
the resources in terms of surgery or um, in terms of um, where they get um, medical care, but it actually expanded to those two things. Mm-hmm. You know, those two things are very important um, in our community, specifically if you're in a journey of transition. But there are so many things from our community that we need resources from. Public accommodation, housing, shelter, uh, employment, you know, it's all of those things that, you know, we really uh, need for our community. So we're very intentional in terms of like, okay, who are we partnering with? Um, what organization um, are we going to partner with that can kind of um, provide those resources for us? You know, if anything, at least we planted the seed mm-hmm. um, to our community. And at the same time, we planted the seed to those organizations. They may not be aware of our um, community here in the DMV um, area. And then the other part of that is just, you know, networking. And, you know, like um, many of the stories that I've heard uh, from folks is, you know, um, for the longest time, I just thought that I was going through this by myself, which I can relate to because in the beginning when I first transitioned, I thought I was the only one that was transitioning, that I have to navigate this world on my own. So when I find out about Capital Pride Alliance and, you know, getting really involved with Capital Trans Pride Alliance, you know, my network just kind of expanded to all of these local activists and um, local community members and resources that are available. And then I started hearing stories from, you know, my brothers and sisters who, you know, may have a different transition journey than I do, but we have a lot of similarities of, you know, our challenges and some of the successes that we have are, and, you know, the lack of resources that, we, you know, we've been kind of looking for. So it's, it's really, you know, those things that we're very mindful um, when we, you know, plan Capital Transpired. And we're really very intentional about, you know, what kind of resources do we have, not just only for the large population of the trans and gender non-community, which is the adult, but, you know, what does that look like for somebody who, are a teenager mm-hmm. or very young. And, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you know, somebody who's older, who is going through retirement, you know, who identified as trans and gender nonconforming. What does that look like? So, Bianca, I have to yeah. tell you, hey, again, I'm going to say thank you for everything you do. Um, but saying that older thing struck me of the TV show Transparent. Did you watch that show? I did see a okay. little bit of it. Um, so, yes. Well, the first episode, <laughs> well, the, I guess the second episode, the daughter says to her father, who now is transitioning, are you going to dress like a woman every day? And he says back to her, no, I'm going to stop dressing like a man. Yeah. When did you s- decide that you were going to transition? Uh, fully. And, and I say this, um, uh, I use the term fully because I feel that I have you know, kind of, I was living a dual life okay. for the longest time. You know, as I've said, um, I identified as gay, very feminine. I've always known that I like, you know, gir- girly things mm-hmm. for the lack of better word. But I didn't know that I was trans for the longest time. And I think part of that is because the lack of, of education for me personally of the transgender community. So, um, you know, fast forwarding to when we moved to the U.S., um, I was 20 when we moved to the U.S. And, you know, I immediately went into, okay, where do I find the LGBTQ community? Not knowing, you know, what the LGBTQ really means for somebody who I identified as such. I I just knew I was gay. You know, I I knew I was part of the LGBTQ Mm -hmm. community. 
Um, so, you know, I associated my um, myself to friends who identified as gay. Um, and, you know, within the Filipino community, it's really very easy to identify mm-hmm. folks. And, you you know, you just kind of help each other out. I was like, oh, you know, go to this place, go to DuPont Circle, which was at the time the place mm-hmm. to be. Um, so through that is when I really starting to get a better understanding of my identity. You know, I've, I've, I was, as I've said, I'm very grateful for the support of my family and the people that I associated mm-hmm. myself with. But I know deep inside that there is something missing. You know, like I describe it as like I have this puzzle and there was one piece of the mm. puzzle that's missing to complete, you know, my identity. So, you know, when I realized that, you know, there was something missing, um, you know, in my identity, I took it upon myself to really find out what that identity was for me. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, you know, in the in the era of social media and Internet, you know, it was a lot easier for me to just kind of Google things. You know, what does that mean and stuff like that? Um, but, you know, as I was going through that search, I was also starting to kind of test the water, you know, um, started dressing up a little bit more androgynous, you know, and then starting to dress up like when I go out in a little bit more feminine mm-hmm. um, clothing, but it's not very obvious. So I was start- testing myself. And every time I do that, I just have this sense of, of truth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's very hard to explain. It, and I'm sure you can probably relate yeah. to that sense of truth. Um, but it, it just, it, it just has this feeling that this is who I am, you know, and, and it, it's, it becomes stronger and stronger every time I change into who I was, you know, and I have to do that for the longest time. You know, I, I, I got hired in this non, uh, healthcare nonprofit organization that I worked now for 20 years. And the work that I was doing at the time is very external focus, you know, meaning I'm one of the facilitators who do new employee orientation. So I'm the, you know, one of the few that they meet when they come on board because we train them, Mm -hmm. you know, we onboard them and everything. So I kind of have this reputation for myself professionally of, you know, like, like what I do Mm -hmm. and who I, who I am. So it, which made it kind of harder for me to really come out. You know, because and then I started thinking about like, if I come out, what does that mean? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be bullied? Am I going to lose my friends? You know, I'm, I'm, I know that my family is always going to be there for me, but we've not been in this situation before. So I don't know. So I started asking my questions. What if what if all of these things happens to me? You know, and I don't think I'd be able to handle that, you know, just coming from a culture of, of, you know, loving and very tight acceptance. family and acceptance, you know, and within my family. And, and I want to say this too, not everybody has the same story as I do, you know, like not everybody's story has that success of like, we're going to love you. Um, and Bianca, I want to stop you for one second because uh, by now, if you've listened to enough of these coming out stories, you hear horror you hear heartbreak. But I am so glad you're here because every story isn't like that. And you almost, and I'm sure you're listening to Bianca, you almost hear her almost apologizing for the happiness and the acceptance. And I yeah. know why you're doing it because, you know, um, when I shared my coming out story, I talked about, I was outed at work 
10 years I'd been there. So I understand that feeling. And I'm like, what is everybody going to think? And I'm like, at the moment, other than losing a, a family member, it was the worst moment in my life. I felt like my life was crashing down upon me. Although, and I felt like I had to say it, and I do, I know people went through worse than I did. But for me at that moment, it was that way. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're here because I think that people need to hear there are stories with families who are, are accepting and loving, but you still had that fear of losing your job, losing your friends, and being bullied. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to. You didn't lose your job. I did not lose my job. Did you lose friends? I did not lose friends. Were you bullied? Um, no, I was not bullied after I came out. Yeah, you know, and and I'm forever grateful for that. And 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 first and foremost, I just want to call out. Uh, you were giving me goosebumps, um, Jimmy, because I was so like when I transitioned, it was really hard for me to tell my story because. My story was not the same as what many stories, you know, the, the struggle, the challenges, the, the, the losing people that you love, you know. So for me, I was so, all, I was so hesitant on telling my story because in my mind, I feel like I'm bragging, you know, in my story. And, and yeah, me, no, 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 I understand. I know, and I, know, and I felt, and I knew why, and I could tell. And let me because, tell yeah. you this. So, you know, I when I started really becoming very active in the transgender community, I've always, you know, bite my tongue sharing my story because of those reasons. And it was a friend of mine who have shared um, to me, on a, on a really intimate one-on-one conversation, and we're still friends up to today, and you, you see him on my social media. He's amazing. Um, he was the one that made me realize that your story is many of the f- people in the LGBTQ community strives for. You know, you're giving them hope, you know, that there is a light. That was what I was writing. Of yes. the tunnel. Yes. That with all of the challenges and with all of 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 what an individual is going through there is success there is hope yes there is living your authentic self and there's you know building and increasing your confidence to be who you are and at that moment i realized wow i've never really seen my story that way you know because i i really was struggling of sharing my story because i don't want to hurt people's feelings you know me coming in and say oh you know my story is you know i have the support of my family i didn't lose my job etc etc which is all positive and great for me but in the back of my head it's not the same for everybody i understand you know jose ramirez dc homo yeah yeah shared his story and what i loved about it was it was happy it was happy you know his his um little brother is gay his mom and dad were trying to give him hints, letting him know, we're okay, you're okay, we love you. And it's wonderful to hear, it, it, that's great, because I believe that it can't be um, gloom and doom, and I think that there are kids out there who need to know that, hey, like even Bianca who knew that your family was supportive, they loved you, they were open, but you still were scared. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're, I'm, I was scared of what was going to happen the second I, I tell my, my boss at the time or my family that I'm transitioning, you know, because it could, like, in a split second can turn into something that I was not ready for, you know, and, and I'm forever grateful for that because they really were the ones that just let me be who I am. 
you know, um, and 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 thrive um, for for all of the things that I'm doing, not only for myself professionally, for and not only for my family, but for my community. And and that's when I really, you know, started thinking, I I want to be part of a group of an organization um, to help out, you know, like I want to apply my professional skills, whatever those are to my community so I can be part of creating a safe space for everybody in, in a small capacity. Well, and, and you have done that more than just a small capacity. Um, and again, I keep wanting to thank you because it, it reminds me of the line Harvey Milk said about coming out. Because the more people who come out, the more you don't realize they're just, you know, th- these people aren't hidden. They're your, they're your son, you're, they're your daughter, yeah. they're your cousins, mm-hmm. they're the school principal. Mm-hmm. And in that time, it has become more normalized and more accepted. Mm-hmm. Not everywhere, but it is better than it, it used to be. And I believe that we need hope. And mm-hmm. you provide hope. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, so... Who was the first person that you told you that you were going to transition? My boss. Yeah, my boss. And this, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know you live in Washington, D.C. When you don't tell your mom, your dad, your, your best friend, your partner, you got to tell the boss. Yeah, and let me tell you why, I, you know, when you asked me that question, it was my boss. Because as I've said, I was living this dual life, yeah. you know, doing my career, you know. I remember, so... Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5, I was who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, identified as very androgynous, you know, very gay, and very accepted in my workplace. But what many people at work doesn't know is after 5 o'clock, I go to my car and change into Bianca. Did you feel like you were like in the tra- tra- uh, transparent show I mentioned? Did you feel like you were wearing a costume Early in the day. All my life. Yeah. All my life, I felt like I was I was wearing that costume, you know, and it was very uncomfortable and it was it was an act, you know, really, you know, I, I have to be this person because that's what society accepted. And not even in a very masculine way, just in a way where what a typical gay person would look like that is acceptable to the society. I have to, and even with that, um, I was, I was still very uncomfortable and I know I'm very uncomfortable and living that life not only is bad for me physically, it's, it, it takes a toll in me emotionally and mentally, you know, which is the hardest part because you have this like constant thinking of, how much I wanted to push myself without getting in trouble or without getting to a place to say, okay, you got to stop. You know, you cannot push us, you know, this much and everything. What is the first time you looked in the mirror and you saw Bianca? Oh gosh, fabulousness. No, 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 no. no, no. Do you remember the first time? Yeah, I do. When when was that? Oh God. um, Probably when I was in my late 20s you know like and and i was already in the u.s and i say that because you know when i was in the philippines being part of the lgbtq community is it's just something that everybody accepts you know you know we're socially accepted in the philippines but politically we don't have any rights you know but we're we're, you know people are fine with you being gay or Mm -hmm. lesbian or being trans Mm -hmm. you know in the philippines you're part of this of this 
box where you're a hairdresser, yeah. you know, a makeup artist, you know, somebody's assistant, um, and that's it. You know, but it's it's fine. You know that that's the box that you know people can accept you in. You know, outside of that, if you become somebody else's, it's a totally different story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I I say that you know all of this happens in the U.S. because it really did for me. Um, and I think part of that is because in the U.S. it's you know it's more accepting. You know, it's it's more conversation happening not only socially but politically. You know, as being part of the LGBTQ community. So when I started really testing the water, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to dress up a little bit more androgynous. You know, maybe have like a sweater vest, mm-hmm. um, but like more tapered pants that I bought from like a women's mm-hmm. you know store. But you can't really tell. And stuff like that. And the first time I looked at myself, I was like, wow. You know, like there is a sense of of happiness, you know, that I felt. Just knowing that I'm wearing women's pants just gave me this sense of happiness. And I started really exploring more and expanding that. You know, maybe I I wore a lot of my, I I wore a lot of sweater vests in my androgynous (laughs) because to me that covers, you know, the feminine side of what I was wearing. Would you have strangers think you're a woman? All the time. Before I transition. All the time. Would that offend you or make you happy? A combination of both, yeah. you know, a combination of both because there was a lot of misgendering mm-hmm. um, that was happening in the time. And there was a lot of like me explaining myself yeah. to people, um, you know, to like just who are, and and it, it, it's interesting that you say that because it's became more of a joke um, mm-hmm. at work that I just kind of let it go, mm-hmm. you know, that. I was always mistaken to, um, you know, be a woman. Like my voice is very mm. feminine. I was not very. I, I was never masculine mm-hmm. um, to begin with. So just being very feminine. If you don't know me and you're just looking at me from behind, you would know that um, you would think that I was a woman mm-hmm. just because of of aesthetics. And I also didn't have short hair. You know, I've had. Um, uh, do you remember when Rihanna started mm-hmm. like the yes. bob? Yes. I've had that, mm-hmm. you know, and I always have it in the, so, you know, it's very androgynous. So, you know, people always mistaken me um, as a woman, you know, it's, it's good and bad for me personally. It's good because I feel like, Oh, you know, like uh, people see yes. me as a woman, but then the reality of it is when I go into the restroom, mm-hmm. it's a totally different story for me even now before okay, no, okay. No, no. Be- oh, okay because before i transition i have to go to the men's yeah, oh so, i thought you meant the ladies room and you're telling no, me going to no, men's no, no, room no, no. so i'm talking oh. i'm talking about this was okay. before transition being very feminine always mistaken to be a woman even before i transition going into the restroom for me is very hard you know and 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 it's it's hard for me because i feel like i have to schedule a time for me this was before a transition mm-hmm. to go into the bathroom because i have to find out when is it during the day where not a lot of men goes to the men's restroom so i can go in and i have to do it really 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 fast well i'm imagining like driving let's say you're driving to new york and you have to stop at a rest stop and bianca is walking in the men's room even before you transitioned 
all the looks, right? And, Absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've gotten so many of them. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going in. There's going to be times where it's like, you know what? I don't care. I have to pee and stuff like that. I would have been like, what's a, lo- a lovely man like you doing in a place like this? Well, that, before you transition, I'd be right. like, well, hello. How are yeah, you? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Did that you happen? Would, you would yeah. think that. But the looks that I'm getting is like, uh. Either they were guessing them, like second guessing themselves, saying, "Am I in the men's restroom yes, or not?" Yeah. Or they and they're asking me, "Was like uh, women's restroom is on the other side?" You know. So, and in all seriousness, Jimmy, though, like you know, I say that lightly now, but the reality is, imagine yourself, uh. imagine yourself going through that cycle of thinking, how many, like, I want to make sure that I go at a specific time on the day where either there's nobody in the men's restroom or only one person that's in the mess. Just to go to the bathroom. Just to go to the All that. All the time. Yeah. All, like, many times during the day, it's exhausting. You know, it's And it's, if you're at a concert, I, I mean, I think about going to the Verizon's or Capital One Arena or whatever venue. In any public spaces yeah. where the restrooms are still... Um, um, gendered, you know, like, and, and that just, and, and it's harder in, in, in the public restroom. And th- this is, um, why I appreciate gender neutral restroom. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why I appreciate single stall restroom because when I, you know, I don't have to think about who's going to be there or what are they going to do or how are they going to react mm-hmm. and everything because it's already, uh, saying that this is a gender neutral bathroom or this is a, a single stall. Um, you know, restroom and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I I I I wanted to um, kind of share that story because it really is hard for somebody who are you know like prior to transition to just kind of you know think constantly just to go to the restroom. You know, like the, I've never that, given that thought until you, know, you brought that up. Just to go to the restroom, and and that was before. I transition, you know, and it was harder for me before uh, I transition, you know, to navigate that. And now, you know, like now that I've, I've transitioned, we're still having that same conversation, important conversation, because the reality is for many of us trans individuals, we don't transition the same journey. You know, my transition journey is different than somebody else's and somebody else's. And we have no control of 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 what our aesthetics looks like right so just imagine somebody who is trans uh, identified as a trans woman you know who may be a little tall mm-hmm. you know broader shoulder six foot um, one six foot one walking in into the bed i i think about those and just think about like what like just every steps that they take to go to the restroom it's like okay is this going to be the time where I get kicked out of the restroom? Or is this going to be the time where I get locks just to go to the restroom? Did were you, Have you ever been kicked out of a restroom? I was, I have not been, okay. but I, I'm, I'm still very aware walking into the restroom, even now, um, uh, of, of, of things that could happen mm-hmm. to me um, in the restroom. Because, you know, not everybody is going to be, um, you know, accepting um, in the restroom, and it, it it only takes one person that will say something, and that could be bad and change your whole life and change my whole life. I mean, um, it, it, you know, like it, yeah. just by using. So even though, uh, you know, like even 
prior now that I've you know transitioned, I, I still have to think about that, you know, and, and, and I think we have we have to really understand that, you know, it's it's not it's not it's it's just creating the space for everybody to just do their business. Yeah. You know, like and I think I think that's the conversation that we really need to start having. Um you know, is is through like what does that look like for somebody like you? Um, or and it's it's it goes beyond you know the trans community and and the gender nonconforming community you know it's it's everybody you know that 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 I've talked to you know what is that what does that look like for a single parent uh, a a dad with a single parent here's a perfect example from what I remember because it's been a while since I've been to the <laughs> men's restroom not that I would go back do you again. miss the urinals <laughs> do you miss the urinals no okay good absolutely okay. not I've never <laughs> but, but from what I remember at least at the time men's restroom doesn't have any diaper change tables yes. and women does right so imagine a single dad who have their kid who is still in diaper who now has went to the mall and have to change the diaper. What does that look like for them, right? So, you know, when we're thinking about creating an, uh, a space that is inclusive of everybody, we have to think about all of those things. You're right. Right? You know, like, you know, for the dad, you know, more likely they're either not going to change the diaper in the restroom because there's nothing there to, to provide that service for them. Um, they're probably going to just wait until they get home or in the car or whatever the case may be. I don't know because I'm not a parent myself. But, you know, just, I understand. Th- just yeah. think of it that way. You know, it's not just, you know, like the, 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 the trans individual who is being affected by, by, by this restroom being all inclusive or, or single stalled or, you know, we, we have to think about all of those things, I think. How did your boss take it when you told him? Oh, gosh. She said, how can I help you? Tell me how... You tell me how you want to transition at work, which was the opposite of what I was expecting. I was expecting she's going to say, um, I don't know how to help you. I don't know what to do and stuff like that. Uh, it's just like all negative, you know, that I was thinking about. But for her to say that and really let me lead my transition says a lot, not only for her as, as an individual, but for the organization. Because I feel like the organization kind of created that space, you know, for, for somebody who is in the leadership role to kind of say that. You know, and, and I'm not saying that we are the perfect organization. We still have a lot of work to do. Um, and I think that's part of, of us growing and really, you know, educating ourselves. You know, we're, we're, we're not striving to be perfect. Because we're never going to be perfect, but you know what we're striving for is collaborate, collaboration, and conversation, and education. And if you do believe partners, it, if you do believe you're perfect, then you have nowhere to grow. Exactly. You got to be careful with that. Well, everything's yeah. great here. Perfect. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. You know, like for me personally, I, I, I thrive and get energy on on listening to people's story because even me as a trans um, individual, I I can only represent myself and my story. Right. And hopefully through my representation and my story that it, it, it will help people in their coming out or in their transition journey with with all of these resources that, that I've had, you know, that I have to navigate myself. But I am not, you know, here to say that all trans people 
have the same transition journey as I do because that's not the reality. When uh, you told your family, how did they take it? My family, you know, my... You know, my mom is very interesting. And, and I say my mom because she was really the only person that um, I really, not that I value, you know, her opinion. It's just like, she's my rock. She's yeah. my best friend. So, you know, uh, for her to not support me, it would just devastate me, you know, because she's, she's my best friend. And we've been together all 42 years. My mom and I didn't really have like a sit down conversation. And and I think part of that is because, um, you know, the culture that, you know, that we have and her relationship. Mm-hmm. And she's always been very supportive of me, you know, even before I transitioned. And I also, um, so um, even though I know that she's going to be supportive of me post-transition, I still, I still have this feeling of like, okay, am I pushing it? Mm-hmm. Am I pushing my mom too much, Right to um to live my authentic self so i i have many sit down conversations with my mom and you know about about being trans about my transition and it's all very casual um for us and i think part of that is because i have to really be careful and i say that being really careful is because i i do not want to overwhelm my mom with all of this terminology yeah. and all of these things because for me and and i'm only speaking for myself and my experience and my relationship with my family i immediately put in my head that once i transition i have to understand that my mom and my immediate family is also transitioning with me wow what a great point i cannot expect them to understand me the second I said I'm transitioning so I have to educate my mom as well and educating my mom is it's not just a one-time thing let me sit down with you here's the terminology this is what you're going to call me here's Mm -hmm. my pronouns and stuff like that because she's not going to be able to retain all Mm -hmm. of them and 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 I say that because I know my mother you know and and I know um you know how much I can put um uh, you know, education. And so I, I also have to really understand that when I transition, my mom and my family is also transitioning, you know, and I have to be okay with that. And my role is to really educate them on this transition and educating. I'm still educating myself. So imagine, you know, I'm still going through this learning for myself and you know for the community and stuff so i can't even imagine what what's that like for my mom well and what a gracious way to put it i i i I firmly believe this bianca that when and i've talked to a lot of people about coming out especially young people and i'm like how long did it take you to come to grips and like well years and years and yeah finally i'm i'm i am who i am and i yeah i've told my parents and they were upset and i said well Remember, it took you three years. You got to give them longer than two hours. Yeah. And what you're saying with your mom, what a gracious way to put it. Because Bianca was inside you because you knew that was who you were. And you're like, okay, now it's time. But how gracious to give your parent and give your mom, you know, time to go, okay, come to grips with. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Um, So questions I want to ask about the surgery. How painful was that? 
Well, are you asked that? Are you asked that often? I have not actually been asked about um, any surgery um, at all. Well, the tra- um, is it okay that I ask you that? Yeah. Okay, no, no, okay, for, okay, yeah. Okay. For me, it's a, yeah. I mean, I can talk about. Because um, I had my meniscus repaired, I had my meniscus repaired, so I can't imagine anything more than that. That was painful enough. So, so I mean, just like any other surgery, yeah. it's painful. You go through, you know, a, 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 a process of you know preparing yourself physically and mentally, you know, for surgery, um, and then the recovery. You know, I mean, I, it's not any more painful than it is if you had your knee surgery you know it's it's just different pain i don't know that <laughs> but, but, well, <laughs> well i mean but but just, but, here, here's what you're, i'm gonna say moving because your chest anything you're moving it's got to be yeah, painful but like if yeah. you had surgery any yeah. movement is also going to be painful yes. right well you're right you're right you know so so that's what I'm, it's just different pain yeah. you know we just go through through it but but what i'm gonna say about my experience with surgery that i wanted to share with everybody is Outside of the pain um, and the journey for me to, you know, the, the journey that I've taken personally for me in my, in my surgery is the outcome of it. You know, the outcome of my surgery is just one of the many ways that is affirming for me to be the woman that I am today, right? And, and, and I say that for myself, you know, again, I wanted to, just going to reiterate that not everybody transitioned the same, but for me, with all of those pain that I have to go through before the surgery, during the surgery, is and after the surgery, is the outcome of it. It had to be, well, it's like just, a, a just, cocoon that you became this beautiful butterfly. And I mean, you are a knockout. And I'm trying, I'm not, you know, I'm, I shouldn't I'm be. Taken. No, okay. no I, and I'm married. Oh, yeah. you say I'm, but no, oh, no. Um, but no, um, but you are so lovely. And I would imagine before you were, but now it's just, you're you. Yeah. And it's, and it really, I really believe that once you're, you're living your authentic self. Yes. Like when, like, you know, once you're living your authentic self, you are going to thrive. You know, your confidence is going to increase. Your ability to explore other things is just going to be wider, right? You know, and it's not going to be, it's not going to take overnight, you know, and I'm not saying that all of those things is going to happen overnight, but you, for me at least, I was more, I am more willing to go in into a conversation or into a space because I know who I am. I am now living my authentic self. You know, it's, and you become really unapologetic, you know, because the, the burden that you have of, of hiding who you were because of, of all of those fears and all of this what ifs that you have, it's now going away. And your mind is just more focused on like how I can be better personally mm-hmm. and professionally. And for me, how I can apply my skills to help my community. How did you come up with the name Bianca? Where did that come from? You know, I, I don't have a really amazing story about, um, you know, my name Bianca. It's perfect for you. Thank you. And I think that's where I... You look like a Bianca. Thank you. Yeah. Whatever that may look like. Well, right? like, yeah. people say, you look like a Jimmy. Like, oh, I get what they mean by that. Like, Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I you know, I, I played around with, um, you know, my name. Um, but when I fully transitioned... It was Bianca. It just felt right. 
you know, I, I I looked at a lot of names. I wrote down a lot of names. I did keep my last name though. So the Ray, mm-hmm. um, and the, so it's Bianca Humadi Ray. Mm-hmm. I, I want to keep my last name because, um, I I I, 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 I need, yeah. I want to, yeah. you know, that's all, that's all it is, you know. Um, but the Bianca part was just like, it's, it's just, you know, does it, does it represent me to your point? Mm-hmm. You know, you look like a Jimmy, you look like a Bianca. Um, and it was just like immediately, you know, when I first said it, I was like, just have this like, you know, energy. I was like, oh yeah, Bianca, it is Bianca, you know, and it just, it, it just went that's from there. Great. But a little secret, which I've never said this to anybody. Okay. So this is, I was um, playing with uh, two names okay. before I, I went with Bianca. One is Summer. Mm-hmm. It was just back in the early 90s. I'm glad you went with Bianca. I don't, yeah. I don't remember what show was that, well, you know, what, 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 you know, what show was it, but Summer, I thought was very feminine. Mm. So I played with Summer for a little Summer bit. Summer is dancing at, uh, at uh, <laughs> Good Guys. I'm glad you went with Bianca. <laughs> and then the second name that I was kind of playing with was um, Rachel. But it's spelled, um, you know, a combination of two names of, you know, my, who I was and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, my, my, um, uh, my guy that I was sitting at the time. Mm -hmm. So, but then I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I, you know, I'm a Rachel and this is also right around like friends era. So I was like, everybody's probably going to have the Rachel name. So, and then I went with Bianca. So there you go. Bianca's great. Because Thank you. the only other Bianca I know is <laughs> Bianca Jagger. So it's you and Bianca Jagger and she was beautiful. So it's like, ah, oh, perfect. Yeah. I'm so, yeah. I, I don't know many Biancas. Yeah. So when I meet one, I'm really very excited um, because there's not a lot of us there. Lastly, I would imagine there is somebody listening who's thinking about transitioning. What advice would you give them? Here's what I'm going to say. With, with technology and internet that we have, they're great, you know, to, to find resources that are available. But my advice to everybody who is transitioning, whatever that transition journey looks like for you, find a community. Finding a community is, was, was really very helpful for me because I was able to talk to individuals who were part of that community on their transition journey, you know, and just really get a, ver- a better understanding of what that looks like. Not to say that I'm going to follow their transition journey, but to get a sense of of what would that look like for me, you know, because because I, I believe that when you're ready to transition, there's no more. I'm not, I'm going to do it tomorrow. You know, there's no more of like I'm going to do it next week. You know, when you're ready, you just mm-hmm. feel it. It took me many tries. You know, for me to get to that place of like, I'm ready to really tell my boss that I'm transitioning, you know, so I'm going to say, find a community um, in your area or um, online. I mean, I think what's amazing about now is like, there's so many groups online that you can really engage yourself in um, to that. And, and here's another, like, we're very fortunate that we live in a DMV, Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. is what, 10 minutes away from us and everything. So it's easy for us you know, to get to DC. It was very easy for me to get resources in the mm-hmm. DC, but that's not the case for everybody. So aside from finding the community online, you know, look to local organizations like PFLAG, um, who is a national organization, you know, that may have, you know, a, a group in your area, you know, to just kind of have that space. Yes. You know, it doesn't really have to, you know, probably have the resources just to be there, you know, to 
just let go of all of what whatever you're thinking you know for two hours or for an hour and just be with with folks that are there you know to, who understand to, to, who understand yeah. who you know may have um you know a, a a story to share um that are you know similar or not similar to what you're going through but just like the space and i know this is this is going to be um hard for everyone but in your transition journey, if you have that one person who is your friend or a family member or whoever that may be that is right there with you before you transition, during your transition, and when you're ready to transition, grab that. Grab that individual because it may be challenging. That you may be um, going through a lot of bumps and, and hurdles, but at the end of those things, that's going to be your core person, you know, that you get energy from, um, you know, to just kind of continue on with, with your journey. Bianca has found someone to go on a journey with her. She and her boyfriend, Michael, got engaged last week. So congratulations to both of them. I want to thank Bianca for not only sharing her story with us today, but all the hard work she does for Capital Trans Pride. I want to thank WTOP and Julia Ziegler for allowing us to do this show here, the podcast, and their beautiful studios. And thank you for listening to Out With Jimmy. And I hope you don't mind if I ask you for a favor. If you've not, click subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Out With Jimmy Alexander. I ask you to do so, and it would really help if you write a review and give us as many stars as you possibly can. Thank you so much. And remember, you will never know when the last time you'll be able to tell somebody you love them. So go ahead and do it today. Today.